Hello everyone, my name's Hadil, also known as Hadil Speaks, and you're listening to Miss the Point, a podcast where I'm joined by many politicians, activists, journalists, and everyday people to talk about politics in the 21st century. Now today I'm joined by the amazing Parker to talk about stereotyping, how the media pushes bias. Now Parker, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, sure. So uh, my name is Parker, aka Queen Work. Um, I am a social justice activist, an anti-racist uh, racism educator, an environmentalist, a speaker, an artist. Uh, I use social media as a tool to try and bring people together in the fight for justice and equity. So Queen is actually spelled K-W-E-E-N, and it stands for Keep Widening Environmental Engagement Narratives. And as an environmentalist, that is also an important part of, of the work that I do. 100%. Now, um, Parker, I'm going to get straight into it. Uh, Do you think the media has too much power in today's society? The media does have a lot of, uh, have a lot of power, right? I think in all all forms, um, it's where people get their information from. We're a lot more connected um, than we ever have been throughout history, but also kind of segmented. And because the media has that uh, ability to uh, perpetuate a, a story, like media isn't only cold facts, right? Media is also about figuring out what the audience wants. So a little bit of of entertainment as well. Like they are playing to what they think their audience wants to hear. And two stories given in two different areas can sound very, very different um, depending on their core audience. And because people aren't at the at the scene, because people aren't witnessing themselves, right? There's a lot of power in what we are told and how the story gets told, how people are represented or not represented. Um, and yeah, so media, it does have a lot of power. Too much power, um, I think it has as much power as you give it, right? If you choose to, only get your media from one source and it's very um kind of blinders on towards other information then yeah media can have a whole lot of power in your life because a lot of times people believe that one source of information um if you choose to kind of get impressions from different sources and back it up with your own research then you know it's more holistic and it's less power for one outlet Mm, i really like that nuance that you brought up of the news only having as much power or the media only having as much power as you give it and obviously you've highlighted how it can shape people's opinions and thus it can shape people's prejudice and bias. So along that same vein, um, do you think it could be dangerous? And if so, why do you think it could be dangerous? I mean, it's totally dangerous because if you already have a, um, you know, a prejudice about something, if you already have a bias, right? Our, our bias is formed from the information that we get. And a lot of of media depends on 
bias and stereotype to get points across. And so we get all of these inputs day after day and we rely on it to understand the world around us. Media definitely shapes and reinforces prejudice, bias, right? Because it's easy. It's easy to get that information across, right? It's easy to tell that story. People see it. It reinforces what they already think. And it's harder to tell a more nuanced story that actually digs down deep and tells something different, right? So. 110%. And I like that you've drawn on, you know, the power of us always being subjected to media, especially now that we have social media and the ways in which we market now have developed so much. You could literally be in a car going down the highway and you see so many billboards or you could be walking down the street and you see so many advertisements. And actually, when we look at the power of social media, particularly the power of repetition, also known as the illusory truth effect, which is something psychologist Lynn Hasher from the University of Toronto first noticed in the 1970s. And she said repetition makes things seem more plausible. And the effect is likely more powerful when people are tired or distracted by other information. More on to that, psychologist Lisa Fazio said, our brain interprets fluency as a signal for something being true. So essentially, the more you are exposed to an idea, a trope, a stereotype, the more likely you are to believe it's true. And so when we start thinking about what you were saying with regards to the power of the media, it truly does lie in how much power you give it. Are you going to continue exposing yourself to the same tropes, the same ideas, the same argument, the same viewpoint? Or are you going to venture out and seek different ideas but to avoid trapping yourself into this cycle of assuming an opinion as fact just because you've heard it so many times? And the key part is that this priming or this subconscious reinforcement of narratives or ideas doesn't start or stop at a certain age. Actually, kids as well are exposed to so many things through TV shows, exactly. cartoons. Exactly, sorry. That, yeah, no, no worries. <laughs> that hit me uh, when you talked about kids shows and kids books. Oh yeah, 100%. I think it's an incredibly interesting topic. Um, when we think back to, for example, I don't know if you've seen this, but the video of the children being shown the black baby and the white baby, which one's most beautiful, which one's more likely to be scary, all those questions. And you saw those tiny children sharing all of that subconscious slash implicit bias. And it was so interesting to see. Actually, I remember being in a debate competition a few years back and one of the questions were, should we have advertising geared towards children and again these are questions that are so interesting so please let me know what you think we talk about how representation is so important yes what's exactly. really important about it is people start to make assumptions if something isn't there like the thing that we show is considered to be the thing that is normal and if something exactly. isn't there right it gets compared against the thing that is normal so already we're indoctrinating kids right and we talk about how representation is so important yes what's exactly. really important about it is people start to make assumptions if something isn't there like the thing that we show is considered to be the thing that is normal and if exactly. something isn't there 
right? It gets compared against the thing that is normal and this because even, we show it all the time. And it even extends itself to things like identity, beauty, um, all these kind of things. Um, I don't know if you'll relate to this, you probably will, um, but you know, being a black woman, hair is a big part of our identity, but I was always shamed for mine because I never saw it. I always thought I had to look like a Barbie doll and Barbie dolls only came as white skinny girls with long blonde hair. And so these ideas are pushed to us from a very young age when we don't see them in our shows. And when we do see them, it's always we are the other, right? And as we grow up, yes, the token black friend. Yes. Mm, I actually remember seeing an interesting video the other day where it was like, blackness is always seen as this rebellious thing. And you know, this is perpetuated from being a young child. It's not seen as just being a person, it's either seen as being the other or being this rebellious or being something exotic, something different, when actually all we want to be seen as is people. And this is exactly why the media plays such a big part. And you know, when you're, when you're a child, you see this through pictures. And as you grow, you start to see this in language, or I hope you start to spot it in language of how things are portrayed. A great uh, documentary on Netflix is The 13th Amendment. And it, at the start, it talks about how uh, when black people were freed, they were never really freed, right? When the slaves were freed, or the enslaved people were freed, they were never really freed because after that they were pictured as these, um, you know, aggressive, dangerous, predatory individuals. And those ideas have never really disappeared from our society. And a lot of people today, um, when I talk with some folks, they say, well, I never owned slaves. Like I never, I wasn't a part, a part of that. And so why should I worry about the system? I don't contribute to that system, but we have this legacy of racism that it's built into our institutions, built into policies. We're still having debates over whether we should remove laws about slavery from the books, right? In certain states and it's just really amazing that we have that we're that people don't see how this is perpetuated right and it certainly plays out in the numbers and i talk a lot about that when i talk about um, my work in the environmental movement right when we look at the fact that um, black people people of color are at higher risk for being exposed to environmental toxins right you can tell if uh, race in the united in the united states race is a bigger predictor on whether or not someone is going to be exposed to environmental uh, pollutants and it is a bigger predictor than even socioeconomic status so you know they've done several studies that have talked about that uh, we don't all breathe the same air right it gives that saying that has gone along with our protests of i can't breathe a whole new meaning because people of color are uh exposed to nitrogen dioxide carbon monoxide at a higher rate than white folks and they suffer things like lung disease coronary heart disease right and they're in these spaces because of things like redlining right we have this historical racism this 
drastic difference in neighborhoods and their life expectancy. And they run clearly along, uh, these disparities run sorry, clearly along the lines of redlining policies. And in the United States, starting in like 1930s, right, the Federal Housing Administration actually drew up maps of major metropolitan areas around the country, including where I live in Denver, and called redlining this illegal discriminatory practice was when mortgage lenders denied uh, loans or insurance providers restricted services to certain areas of the community, often because of characteristics of the applicant's neighborhood, meaning they were Black neighborhoods. And it included unfair and abusive loan policies, which ended up segmenting these communities of color off in like they drew red lines around it. And those are the areas where factories get built. Those are the areas that are uh, uh, disinvested in. Those are the areas that don't have adequate tree co cover, right? So they are not uh, doing well under the effects of climate change, right? In the United, in, in Denver, where I live, the poorest neighborhood has 2% tree cover where some of the most wealthiest neighborhoods have 60% tree cover. And if you look at the Center for Disease Control life expectancy map in the same city, there is a 15 year life expectancy gap between the wealthy neighborhood and the poor neighborhood, right? So we have this legacy of racism that contributes to how people are going through their life Right, and people don't understand how they are reinforcing that through language, through thinking that we are post-racism and that all all racial things are over. Thinking that um, you know people are fighting or arguing for nothing because they haven't done the research into the data to understand um, that there really is a vast disparity. Right, 100%. And I feel like, you know, things like headlines and breaking news kind of add to that. Why? Because we start to assume that the media reports on things that are important. And so when things aren't being addressed, we assume it leads to the assumption that it's not important or it simply doesn't exist. And that in itself, com uh, you know, contributes to the myriad of gaslighting, of, of denial, of um, fragility that takes place, preventing the necessary discussions from even happening in the first place and so I'd like to ask you since we have social media now you know people like you people like me who use social media as a platform to talk about these things and start discussions do you think social media changes the ballpark? It does um you know it's really interesting especially since I've been on gotten on TikTok um, I hear the statement all the time, like, I've learned so much more on TikTok than I have my total life, right? Because media, right, is it's evolving. So we went from um, where your local, the media that you got, right, what, messenger by horse across the country, right? Then we had like newspapers, we're sending this information out and about newspapers and magazines and then television, right? Where you could 
really hear, you could start to hear across the nation what is happening in different parts, but very much controlled by the narrative, right? The media narrative and uh, what stories they choose to push, what stories they don't. Then more and more that's getting disseminated and people are gaining platforms, right? Through things like TikTok, where people never would have heard about their experiences, never heard about the issues that are impacting them and their life before, because those avenues, right, were really controlled. Now we control it, it's in the palm of our hand. And, you know, it's still, there's still issues. Like you can, you have to look for that stuff, the algorithm, right on social media brings you to things that you interact with and so unless you are seeking out diverse voices voices that are different from you right i got on TikTok and i started following um different creators uh creators who had disabilities creators in the trans community uh create creators just all you know other native uh and indigenous folks um just to hear different voices and then that because I interacted with that, that's what comes on my feed. But if you only interact with people that think, that you feel like think like you, these people are like me, they think like me, and then you will only hear right. the things that exactly. uh, like are in your echo chamber, right? right. So there is power in social media. It's definitely widened the game. We need to be intentional if you want to hear more, but more than ever, you can hear perspectives from people who are different from you. And that is so vital in having a really deep understanding. It's vital in like fighting stereotypes, right? Mm -hmm. And for understanding um, what's really going on. I've got multiple perspectives, not just one. 100% and now I've actually got an episode called Echo Chambers How Polarized Are We that kind of delves into this issue a bit more so if you're listening um, feel free to check that one out because I feel like it was definitely an interesting episode but the one thing I want to pick up on is our newly found tendency as people who have been so acclimated and used to using social media is this tendency to rely solely on social media in order to gain our information and perspectives. The one thing I did note on that Echo Chambers episode was that social media is where the discussion is happening, it's not where the information is being shared. And so it's really important that aside from engaging with different people across the world in your own echo chamber or your social media bubble, is to actually take the time to read more on the issues so that you can have more of an understanding on whatever you're talking about. Because chances are people hear one source that sounds really good from a content creator that might have published it and then everyone only ever talks about that source. I don't know if you've noticed, like a lot of the time on social media when something happens, people share around very similar statistics until someone shares a new one and then everyone shares that around. I think we can all agree that there are many, many different statistics that we can engage with and many different sources, perspectives and information that we can engage with. And so we can't just rely on social media. And if anything, that's an indication as to how much people just follow what others are saying and don't actually look into things for themselves.
Now, don't get me wrong, it's incredibly important to talk about politics, talk about issues and discuss things on social media. But what we can't do is act like that's the only place to get our information. And I think that's what I'm trying to get across here. Especially when on social media there is a huge issue with censorship in general. Um, loads of accounts on TikTok, for example, particularly that of black, indigenous or LGBTQ plus creators were having their content censored until a movement took place on the platform after which TikTok actually came out and admitted that they were censoring content. So if we think about this, this is probably not the only instance of this happening. And so to answer to the question of today's podcast episode, the media can carry so much bias. Social media can carry so much bias. And so it's so important we don't rely on just the media and social media for our information. It can be a great place to have a discussion, yes. It can be a great place to gain a new perspective or become aware of a new topic. But we can't rely on social media to be our only information source because then you're literally missing so much of the bigger picture and you're starving yourself of so much opportunity to actually get to know more about things. And so with that, Parker, I'd love to ask if you have any final thoughts. I would just say that gaining those additional voices in your life, understanding those additional perceptions is so important and that we are now in an age where you can do that um, more than ever. And so my advice to people is just to get out there and be intentional about following those different voices because that's going to change your perception and open you up in, in new and very important ways. And it is so valuable. Yes, I completely agree. First of all, thank you, Parker, so much for uh, joining me on this episode. To all the listeners at home, thank you so much for joining me for another episode. Please do make sure to check me out on social media. It's at Hadil Speaks on all platforms. I have loads of discussions prior to podcast episodes. And sometimes you may get featured on the podcast. So please do make sure to follow me there. Uh, follow the podcast. And until next week's episode on Wednesday at 7.30pm, Hadil Speaks, over and out.